Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Cara, acne can be tough. Whether your kid is just starting to get breakouts or has been struggling with them for years, there's a great product that can help. Phyla is the ultimate game changer. It tackles acne right at its root cause, rebalancing the skin's bacteria and packing it with probiotic phages. Phyla harnesses the superpowers of probiotics, tiny warriors targeting and wiping out the acne-causing bacteria. In studies, Phyla slashed acne-causing bacteria by a whopping 90%. Phyla doesn't just fix acne you can see. It stops new breakouts in their tracks. It has no harsh chemicals and won't irritate or dry most skin. Phyla's three-step system is like a dermatologist-approved magic potion. Cleanse, apply serum, and moisturize twice a day. As a special treat for our listeners, you can grab 25% off your first order of Phyla. Head over to phylabiotics.com, enter code PUBERTY at checkout, and kickstart your family's journey to acne-free skin. Check out the link in our show notes for quick access. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Cara Natterson. And I'm Vanessa Kroll Bennett. Each week, we dive into the what and how of raising kids through puberty, that roller coaster of physical and emotional shifts for kids and parents alike. Combining reliable science and relatable parenting strategies, we will all learn about, laugh about, and yes, maybe even cry about adolescence ours and theirs. I am so happy to welcome Dr. Nina Shapiro, the Director of Pediatric. All right, I can't even pronounce this word. It's otolaryngology. Otolaryngology. Thank you. And a professor of head and neck surgery at the David Geffen School of Medicine at UCLA. She graduated from Harvard Medical School and Cornell University, completed her surgical residency at Harvard, and finished additional subspecialty training in pediatric, Cara said, otolaryngology, otolaryngology at the Great Ormond Street Hospital for Children in London and the Children's Hospital of San Diego. Oh my God, I'm tired just reading out that description, Nina. She has won a slew of awards for her teaching and clinical expertise and has become a go-to physician in LA and around the world, not just for treatment of challenging cases, but increasingly to appear in the media to help translate complicated science into understandable and actionable advice, a perfect fit for the Puberty Podcast. We could list all of the TV, news, web, and print outlets where she has appeared, but then our 45 minutes would be over. You will probably recognize her voice, though, because chances are she's been at the heart of some really great advice you have heard over the years. Nina, we are so thrilled to welcome you here. Thank you for coming. Wow. Thank you for having me. What a great introduction. You can say ear, nose, and throat. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. Ear, nose, and throat, or if I'm really feeling taxed, ENT. Is that okay? Super fancy. Okay. (laughs) Yes. Done. I don't have to say that other word ever again. Ever again. But you're going to before the end well, of this podcast. laryngology. See, you got I it. Knew I got you would. it. Oh, yay. Thank you for your support. Fabulous, Vanessa. Okay, Nina, let's start with your voice because that's how we met. Do you remember how we actually met in person for the first time? I remember how we met in person for the first time. It was on a beach. It was on a beach. <laughs> Most people think it was at, you know, a medical thing or over a patient. But I remember arriving in Hawaii and plopping down on a beach with my one kid at the time and hearing this person saying, no, 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 you can't go in the water by yourself. 
<laughs> and yes, it's okay that all you had today was a bagel. <laughs> and I remember hearing your, I don't even know what you were saying, but I'm like, I know that voice. I know that voice. And then I thought, I've called that voice to get consults on whether or not this child needs tubes or they need their tonsils out. And we found each other on the beach and I was like, are you Nina? And you said, are you Cara? That's right. And that is... Oh my God, that's hysterical. And then we took a whole vacation together. We did. We did. That was great. It was was very fun. They were... Our kids were little at the time. They they were little. So... um, Do you remember? Yes. Okay. I can tell you exactly because Rye was about nine months old. He was old enough to sit up on the beach towel, on the sand, and hate every second of it for the entire <laughs> vacation, and which makes Talia about two and change. Right, and so right. Alessandro would have been about two, two and, and a half. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Oh my God, that's hysterical. Yeah. So that's how we met. And um, but you are a pediatric otolaryngologist, aka an now ENT. you're just showing off. <laughs> Say it so well, Cara. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just you know fluent in otolaryngology. But seriously, Nina, over the years you have stepped way outside of that platform, and you have really become a go-to person in so many ways, and not just in pediatrics. Your practice tends to focus in pediatrics, but your advice now spans all ages. And I just want to begin our conversation there with a little bit about why you ended up on the informational side and how that happened. And and then let's talk about some of the great information you're putting into the world. Thanks. So it, it sort of evolved, as, as you know, having gone through these processes of sort of branching out a little bit. So it started out with my working at work and seeing all the patients that I see and and taking care of the families and then hearing these questions over and over and over again and giving the answers and thinking to myself, wait, I just said that in room four. Why am I saying it again in room five? Wouldn't it be great if I can say this in a larger audience? So that was how I decided to write this first book, which was Take a Deep Breath, which was really geared towards, okay, here's what you need to worry about. Here's what you can go back to sleep about. Here's what you need to rush into the emergency room. And here's what, you know, call me in a month or so. So that was really to guide parents of young children. So that was the zero to five, the terror years where we actually really... Care about our no 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 where we really it's worry where about our children is really freeing right. life right. and death we think everything is life and death right. and very very rarely it actually is yeah. but for, for the, the most first part, child for right. the for the first right. child it's right. the terror years yeah yes. oh, yeah that's right we not have for the children. fourth child Vanessa right. <laughs> can oh, tell you'll you. be fine just get <laughs> right. up right. the limbs are all attached you're okay um, so that so that started that and then just over the years after that working with families and then once my kids got into school and into sort of the younger groups and then older groups and talking to parents a lot and not just parents of patients, but parents of their friends and really hearing what's going on out in the world. And these are very educated people. A lot of them are in medicine or in healthcare and a lot of them are not. And But they have very, very clear ideas about what's good for them, what's not good for them, what's worth spending the extra money for, what's a waste. And so I really felt like it was important. And now that media has changed so dramatically over the last minute, but really over the last, you know, few years, five years or so, where everything is so rapid fire, it's so hard to discern what's real, what's not when you hear something. And it doesn't matter who's saying it, because as long as someone is saying it with conviction, it sounds right. Yeah. I mean, on that note, you wrote a book, which we have a beautiful copy of right here that came out about a year or so before COVID called Hype, A Doctor's Guide to Medical Myths, Exaggerated Claims, and Bad Advice, How to Tell What's Real and What's Not, which was so prescient of you as we now deal with these very issues and questions in this moment in COVID and in in life in general about discerning what's real and that what's not. So pre-COVID, let's start there. Do you have a favorite medical myth that you love to dispel? And this may be the same thing. Do you have a favorite medical myth that you find it very hard to dispel. Now, this may or may not be the same myth, but I'm curious if you have a favorite. Well, you know, let's, we'll keep it light here. So. 
<laughs> to, to start at least. So a favorite myth would be, you know, we all, we're all sitting here with our water mm-hmm. next to us. We have three different bottles of water with three different kinds of water and they're all fine. They're all good. Except but, Vanessa's has carbonation. So she might have the after effects of carbonation. I'm hoping I don't burp into the microphone. If I do, I apologize. Well, this is puberty podcast, so they're going (laughs) to love it. Anything goes, anything goes. Above or below. She's channeling her inner 12-year-old male. Okay. (laughs) That's right. Uh, So yeah, so we have three different kinds of water. I have the fanciest bottle, actually, because this is a reusable, ridiculously expensive bottle that apparently is is temperature controlled, but it's tap water. It's not even the water from my fridge. It's the water from the sink. And we'll see what happens. Cara has smart water. That's why she's so smart is because she's drinking the smart water, which is a brilliant marketing campaign. And Genius. I don't I've never seen what this water is. Mountain Valley. Mountain can I say? Valley sparkling, sparkling water. water. I love sparkling water. Because it's water. from the mountain and the valley. And the valley. If it could be both. So it's all good. It's all water. But I think a fun myth is that idea of eight glasses of water per day, which is there's no evidence for that. That was something actually from the time in World War II where people were saying you have to drink water to stay healthy and that eight glasses of water per day. And we still talk about that as a thing. And now you see people walking around with these like jugs. It's like a water cooler that's flipped upside down. (laughs) They're drinking out of their own water cooler, you know, 40 gallons of water. Everything that we eat, pretty much everything that we eat, even dried fruit is mostly water. So you can get water from eating. So that's like a fun thing. And it's pretty simple how to figure out how much, you know, whether you're hydrated or not. That's a fun myth that I like to sort of say, hey, here's a busted myth. Um, Do you want to give your favorite puberty podcast appropriate pearl about how to tell if you're hydrated? I will. Yeah. Just check your pee. It's pretty simple. It's pretty simple. Yeah. Gin clear. Right. That's what I was taught. You, you want it to be light. If it's if it looks like water, you're probably overhydrated and you're that probably could, carrying that could, one of those coolers. Exactly. Around. And that could actually mess with your system if you're too hydrated. It's not such a problem in kids, but in older people, you know, we talked about as in residency, you know, the little old lady at home sipping tea all day, and she comes in with something called hyponatremia, which is a life threatening problem where your sodium goes too low. That's from drinking too much plain water. Huh. It's very rare. We have young, healthy kidneys in this audience. So it's it's not going to be a problem. My grandmother used to say, oh no, dear, if I have any more, I'll be floating out of here. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Did she say it exactly yeah, like that's that? exactly how she spoke. What a cool lady. She was. Somehow she kicked the Brooklyn accent somewhere along the way. Yeah, it was, uh, it was very funny. So do you have a puberty myth? Now I'm putting you on the spot here, but do you have a favorite puberty myth that you like to bust? Well, this is, I think, a myth, and you guys can probably tell me whether it's true, that if you eat a lot of fried foods, your face is going to basically look like a frying pan and going to be, and all the pimples are going to come out. A I don't know if that's crazy. true. It's not if true. If you rub French fries on Correct. your face. <laughs> Correct. Which exactly. has been done. Many times it has been done. That, that is what causes is oily. the pimples. Yes. But I don't yes. think, I mean, eat, you know, certainly we can go on and on about diet and what, you know, a healthy diet for a teenager versus a baby versus an older person. But I'm not advocating that you should just eat fried food all day, but it's not, that's not why people have acne or bad skin or anything yeah, and, that goes and along with that. Kids get really wedded to the concept that they can control their acne by controlling their diet. And so for parents who have kids that are trying to do that, what we'll often advise them is then just remind them a healthy balanced diet is going to get them so far only because it's a an opportunity to get them to eat a healthy balanced diet. But it, pizza doesn't make you break out. Chocolate doesn't make you break out. French fries don't make you break out. Hands all over your face all the time. That makes you break out. Well, and also, Card, will you share for our audience what is kind of when people are genetically inclined to having acne, what other elements are going to cause? Because they're, as we all know, that's a big issue for kids and their parents um, and they worry. And it's nice to know kind of what's in your control and what's not. Right. So the biggest driver of acne is hormonal shift. And the reason why is that the hormones, the same sort of group of hormones, mostly testosterone and the testosterone cousins like Androstein Dione and the other sort of relatives of testosterone that are floating around the body when you go through puberty, those hormones also work 
at the the level of the pore. So if you if you were to take a skin cell and you were to magnify it, you would see a little pore. It looks like a little flask from chemistry class and there'd be a hair coming out of it. And the hair kind of sits in this little base that has a little bit of oil in it. And that's because there's this little mini, mini, mini oil gland that secretes a little drop of oil for that hair to sit. And these testosterone... Is that the sebaceous gland? Thank you. You studied. I did. You did. See? I again, did. You want I'm to getting say, smarter by sitting it? with you guys. Do you want to say what say, Nina I, does I was going to say, say it. Say <laughs> it. Say it. Otolaryngology. You're very, very good. I'm very, very proud of you. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, no. just, let me just say Odo. I'm just going to keep su- sucking up all the qualified <laughs> affirmation. Otolaryngology. Yes. I'm going to name my dog that. We're yes. getting a dog and I'm going to name it. Odo your kids Long. are totally. Odo for sure. Odo. Yes. Your kids are going to go yeah. for that. So um, yeah, the sebaceous glands put out oil and they're very sensitive to testosterone and hormones like testosterone and to estrogen actually. And so when the hormones surge and then when they drop, which happens throughout puberty, the sebaceous glands become overproductive and they too surge and they will make more oil. The pore will secrete more oil. And of course, the pore is narrow at the top and it's wide at the bottom. And so if you have a little dead skin cell and that dead skin cell plugs the top, or if you have a hair that's thick and the hair is actually plugging the top, then what you end up having is a lot of oil backing up inside, right? And then you have this buildup, which you can see as a whitehead, okay, or a little pimple. Now, the reason I say rubbing your face does the same thing is when you rub your skin, it tells your sebaceous glands to start secreting oil. Oh, interesting. So, and French fries, rubbing French fries on your face <laughs> will do something similar. So there who you are all it. these people that you guys know who are rubbing <laughs> French fries on their face? One of the hardest things about my kids being away at camp is I have no one's pimples to pop. Oh, don't oh, even man. get me started. Oh, I really, if I could have passed organic <laughs> chemistry, I would have been a great dermatologist. Hey, it's Cara. We all know puberty isn't always easy. One of the trickiest pieces of the puberty puzzle is boobs. When will I get them? Why are they so tender? And why does every bra out there seem to pull, push, pad, itch, scratch, or be so flimsy it doesn't do a thing? That's where Umla comes in. It's a company that makes puberty comfortable, a company I founded with my friend Julie. When our own daughters began the puberty journey, we couldn't find a decent starter bra anywhere. So we made one. It fits perfectly whether boobs are just starting to bud or they've been growing for a few years. We call it the Umbra. And it's game changing. The Umbra is made from buttery cotton that feels like second skin, ridiculously soft and so comfortable you'll forget you're wearing anything at all. Umbra's one-of-a-kind support comes from its patented layered design that creates gentle compression without any tight binding, which also means it doesn't need any bulky, awkward pads because it's built to seamlessly hide nipples and protect against those dreaded ouch moments throughout the day. Our daughters and their friends are done with puberty, but they still love and wear their Umbra's. It's why we say that the Umbra may be your first bra, but it will definitely be your favorite bra. Come say hi, look around, and find your Umbra, plus lots of other puberty info at myoomla.com. That's M-Y-O-O-M-L-A.com. Hey, it's Vanessa. I started a company called Dynamo Girl, and one of the coolest parts of my work is running our Dynamo Puberty Workshops for hundreds of families across the country. We teach the anatomy and physiology involved in puberty because so many adults never learned it and kids have so many questions about it. In our workshops, we also talk about the feelings involved in puberty. For kids, it's often tricky stuff around friendships and body image and social media and just being in our families. And for adults, it's the constant struggle of wanting to support our kids in the most loving ways we can, even when it feels like they just want us to be quiet. This December, we'll be running two virtual Dynamo workshops that will get to all those questions and more. 
On December 4th, join me and my Dynamo colleagues to learn about male puberty. And on December 11th, join us to learn about female puberty. People of all genders are welcome to attend all workshops. You can go to www.dynamogirl.com to learn more and register for our workshops or check out the show notes for links to register. We hope to see you there. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Vanessa, we literally have three minutes to eat lunch every day. I am not joking. And the challenge is how to make it delicious and healthy and still fit into that tiny window. Our answer is factors ready to eat meals. They have been a godsend. We throw our factor meals in the microwave. It takes two minutes and out comes a gorgeous, fresh, never frozen meal. We both love the tamale vegetarian one. It's delish. There's a ton of options every week. There's 60 add-ons, breakfast, snacks, beverages. I love doing the wellness shots with my kids. They think it's hilarious. And I know they're getting vitamins and minerals in their bodies. So get meals on your table or at your desk in two minutes or less. Factor meals eliminate the hassle of prepping, cooking, and cleaning. You can customize with flexibility to get as much or as little as you need, and you can press pause or reschedule depending upon your lifestyle. So to order, go to factormeals.com slash puberty50 and use the code puberty50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That code is puberty50 at factormeals.com slash puberty50 to get 50% off your first box, 20% off your next box, And I am going to go do that right now because I need more factor meals in my refrigerator. Cara, lately I have been lying awake at night. I'm physically exhausted, but I can't sleep because my mind is so wired with everything going on between work and my family. So I've added magnesium breakthrough to my nightly routine and it actually helps calm my mind. It helps me get better sleep and I wake up feeling better rested. I'm less cranky. And I'm more patient with my family and with you. Oh, I've noticed. And it's because unlike other magnesium supplements that might give one or two formulations of magnesium, Magnesium Breakthrough has seven. That's why you're sleeping so well and waking up refreshed. Now, dietary supplementation is always best, Vanessa. So that means eating your minerals and vitamins is the best way to get them in. But if you can't or you don't get enough, Magnesium Breakthrough is the way to go. It can also help digestion, though too much helps your digestion too much, which is not a good thing. It can support muscle recovery. So bye-bye, Charlie Horses. And it helps build dense bones, which is especially important for women approaching and in menopause. We have an exclusive offer for our listeners. You can go to buyoptimizers.com slash puberty, B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com slash puberty. And you can use the code PUBERTY10 during checkout to save 10%. That promo code is PUBERTY10 at buyoptimizers.com slash puberty. Your body and brain and family and business partner will thank you. Hey friends, my name's Olivia Perez and I'm an entrepreneur, journalist, and the host of the Friend of a Friend podcast. Every Monday, I meet with some of today's youngest and brightest entrepreneurs to make space to tell their stories and shine a light on who I believe to be the next generation of luminaries. I'll interview up-and-comers and game changers from brand builders to personalities, activists, artists, and thought leaders from around the world. Each episode lets you be a fly on the wall during one of the greatest pep talks, like a conversation between you and a friend or a friend of a friend. See you there. So Nina, we did mention stuff about healthy eating and healthy drinking. And I'd love for you to talk us through what is BS and what is real about healthy eating and healthy diet. And as you know, and we know all too well, there are real concerns about surging eating disorders, restrictive eating, orthorexia, all sorts of things around teens and tweens and their diet and their eating. So give us some like really helpful practical guidelines to kind of 
move away the BS and get the the heart of the good information. Yeah. And it's, it is tricky because you don't want to, you know, even the term a healthy diet, what does that mean? Right. It means something different to, to everybody. So, you know, what I usually recommend is that, and this is the most boring thing, and people get very disappointed when I say this, is just, you know, within moderation. There is no answer. There is no perfect diet. There is no, this is the latest, so this is has, this has to be the greatest. There is no potion. There's no supplement. There's no powder. There's no restriction unless you have a true allergy or a true medical indication to not eat a certain food. So if you like something, eat it. Don't eat too much of it, even if it's really good for you. Kale can cause problems. So too much kale can interfere with your thyroid function. Who knew, right? Oh my goodness. Yeah. So I don't want to like, no, you know, kale is fine. Everything is fine. When, When I was in the sixth grade, my math teacher ate a pound of carrots a day because he decided he wanted to get healthy and he turned orange. Mm-hmm. I had a classmate like that, yeah. medical school medical yeah. school classmate. Yep. Yeah. And she, you know, had so that too I much of I cut back on kale because my 45-year-old teeth, I kept getting kale yeah. stuck in my right. teeth as my gums seemed to recede with every passing day. So that was like the motivation to cut back on kale. It's like kale and quinoa. There's like a right. magnet to get it's caught not, in my teeth. It's I just not want to say, yeah. I'm a fan of kale, but I also am often reminded that it used to be the stuff on the salad bar that decorated between the bowls where the, the garnish. That, yes. Right. It was the right. garnish. Yes. yes. That's like my- On the fruit platters yes. too. Right. That's Incredible. like my mother was like, when did kale move from being a garnish <laughs> to a, a main vegetable? Right. Can you please explain that to me? I'm like, I don't know. It's a fad. But speaking of fads, we have kids who are taking- supplements. We have teens, you know, who say they can't sleep. They're taking melatonin. We have this, the new magnesium fad. We have protein powder. We have There's all a magnesium that. fad. I missed that one. Big magnesium fad. What's the fad? Um, that it keeps you regular is what I was told. Oh, like your, the, bowel your bowel movements mm. regular. Like milk of magnesium. I guess so. Maybe. Um, yeah. So that may be in your next book, Nina. I think um, the book should be entitled Fad or Bad. There you go. <laughs> or Mom, Milk Mom. of Magnesium. Oh. Uh, That'll be so, a big seller. But I, think, but I think our audience or the parents of our audience are parents of kids who are particularly with TikTok testing out all sorts of these fads. Um, And I'd love to hear from you besides in moderation, which some of us do better than others, particularly probably sitting around this table. I will say I am on the lower scale of in moderation, but tell us like what is in vogue now, you know, intermittent fasting or things like what's in vogue and what are you like? No, 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 this is BS. Like you got to tell the kids in your life or the teens in your life to, to move on from this. Well, yeah, I think intermittent fasting is a good one. I think that when I first heard that, I said, well, I fast every night. Right. And then I have break fast. Right. (laughs) So I didn't really understand it. And then, you know, I can see that, you know, for some people, actually, when I was, um, I gave vaccines back in January at one of the megapods, as we called them. And I was working with another doctor and he said, I need to take a break because I haven't eaten. And it was like 11 in the morning. And I was like, wow, okay. You know, you're like, you need your snack time after breakfast. And he said, no, no, I'm intermittent fasting. And he went to eat a cookie, which seemed really strange. <laughs> we won't like a name names. Right. I can't remember. I'm going to break Lovely. my really healthy eating pattern <laughs> right. with a cookie. Because I, yeah. So, you know, I think that some of it is just we lose our logic when we hear these things. You wake up in the morning and you eat when you're hungry or usually a lot of it is based on just our schedules. If you have to go to school, you're probably going to eat something before school. And if you don't, you probably should start. I think that's a good thing to do for anybody, especially yes, teenagers. Mm-hmm. And, but what if they say to us, because I have kids living in my house who say this, like, I'm just not hungry, right? And do your it, kids do that, Nina? My kids are hungry. Your kids are? My kids are not hungry and I'm a big believer in breakfast Yeah, from a medical standpoint. So it's a negotiation that I I have won over the years. I, I mean, I'll really say important. grab a handful of cashews. Yeah, exactly. Or a, right. That's you a know, win. That's a win. Something like that. But, yeah. um, or, you know, a, a little yogurt squeeze or whatever they're called. And that gets at a larger question, right? Which is like when they're as... Car and I talk about almost constantly individuating and we want to both empower them and respect that 
And also we are adults who have lived longer and some of us are experts in medical fields. Like where is that line with kind of myth versus reality? Well, you know, I think hunger is a, a really loaded, you know, it's sort of like healthy diet. Are you really not hungry or are your friends also really not hungry? And is that sort of what mm-hmm. everyone in your friend group, they're all, nobody's eating breakfast. So why is your parent making you eat breakfast? So they're not necessarily thinking about their stomach and feeling hungry in their brain. They're just thinking about, well, this is how I'm supposed to feel right now because all of the other 15-year-olds are feeling mm-hmm. this way right now. And for some of the kids, it may be like, well, if you don't eat breakfast. I don't know about my, you know, at my kid's school, there's plenty of food to be had at pretty much any time. So then maybe they'll have less healthy food at 10 o'clock in the morning, or maybe they will say, well, my other friends are not eating either. I'm going to push it to my 1 p.m. lunch and not having eaten in, you know, 18 hours. And I don't know, I love to give young people the benefit of the doubt for their independent thought, but some of it is so laden with peers and what their peers are doing that I wonder if this I'm not hungry has to do with what their other friends are doing as well, unfortunately. In in our house, the experience of COVID and staying home from school helped dispel a lot of that stuff mm. because obviously the peer influence was gone around all those issues and the appearance of hangriness, which is a real medical condition. Oh, I'm like living proof of hangry. I mean, hangry is real. And when we didn't go to school with our children, we were not able to hold a mirror up and say, maybe you're hungry and that's why you feel so grumpy and you feel tired. And I do find that whether it's in our own homes or with our patients that having a way to hold a mirror up. So if it's on a weekend and you're with a kid who has skipped a meal or two and you can kind of point out how they feel after they've eaten versus before, that can help. It depends on the kid. Sometimes the kids will really push back. Right. Or the conversation might sound something like, hey, I'm noticing you're in a bad mood. Can we talk through like what you have and haven't done today? And let's see if we can kind of troubleshoot what's happening here. Because if you turn to a teenager or 12 year old and you say, you know what, you're being a real pain in the ass. I think you're hungry. Go eat. They're going to like look at you like you've just like stuck their head in the toilet. But if you say to them, I think hopefully, and sometimes they'll call us on our BS, like what's going on? And then causing them to figure out, helping them troubleshoot. I mean, certain kids, I have a kid in my house like this who gets so hungry, he can't he stops being able to realize that he's hungry. Like he gets past that point. I am that person. You are that person? I am that person. Yeah. I'm just, I have a window and then I'm done. And then and then you're yes. like wow. falling apart, but, but you don't but, know why you're falling apart. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And and my Call husband me. affectionately <laughs> calls it- i to eat. <laughs> my, my husband calls it going to Rome because on our honeymoon, we were in Rome and that was the first time he ever saw it. And it's not pretty. It's a version of hangry. And so now everyone in the family will say, mom's going to Rome, which means, you know, quick feed her. You wow. Know. That's really interesting. Yeah. I, you know, those people who are like, I just forget to eat. I'm like, oh. I don't know if I have ever missed a meal in my entire life. Yeah. But that's important. Like that, if you don't have anyone else in your family like that, you don't know. And I remember when he was about eight and he first recognized his hunger and then went and got himself something to eat. And it was like the most thrilling transformation as a parent, because it's like, I didn't have to deal with that interim step of him being so hungry and miserable and us having to do that dance to get him to 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 negotiate around the food. I mean, it is incredible. So are your kids, Nina, your kids are good. They like listen to their body. They eat when they need to eat. They sleep 10 to 12 hours a night. (laughs) Their hygiene is perfect. You don't have to answer that question if you don't want to, Nina. (laughs) I know your kids. It's all true. Perfect in every, was that the word you used? Perfect. Perfect Perfect in every way. all perfect. What's one tip that you can give how you manage outside of your practice, but maybe more at home or in real life, how you convince a child in your life to actually do something that's good for them. Mm. So there are a few ways. So one thing my kids are pretty good about is sleep, 
actually, which is I'm very, I don't realize how fortunate I am, but neither of them are one of these two, three, four a.m. go to sleep kids. And, you know, it's rare that we're pulling them out of bed at noon on a Saturday. So they're pretty good about sleep. There have been a few times, obviously, that they haven't been so good about sleep. And it's not that they can sleep in the next morning if it's a school day or something, a weekend activity that they have. So they learn not always the first time, not always the second time or third time, but eventually they learn how that feels of being sleep deprived. So sometimes I'll just let them, again, sleep for them is usually a pretty, it's not really a fight or an argument or even a discussion. So I'm going to shoot myself for saying this because at the end of the summer or in a year, somebody's going to be up all night, every night. So I know what I'm saying now may change in the future. You're jinxing yourself. Exactly. If they don't listen to this episode, maybe that won't happen. I will not let them listen. So, but you know, there've been times when they've not been such good sleepers and then, and then they, they learn. So oftentimes it's, they learn it on their own. Yeah. Uh, and the same thing goes with food. You know, if they're eating food that's not necessarily great for them and then they feel really crummy afterwards, it's, you know, well, did you eat the entire bag of goldfish or whatever, you know, crunchy, you know, sicky, salty snack that, you know, is now and now your stomach hurts? Well, that's a shock. Let's <laughs> so, work through you that. Know what I love <laughs> what you just did. You, you just... You held a mirror up without any judgment. Like they weren't, you weren't shaming. It was just a matter of fact, well, right? Well, we order like five guys. I don't know. Do you guys have five guys in LA? Oh yeah. Okay. So guys. some Saturday nights we'll order in five guys. And my kids know that after they eat five guys, they have to run to the toilet. And when we make the decision as a family that we're going to order five guys, I'll say, okay, no problem. I just want to make sure that you've also saved enough time to go upstairs and go to the toilet before, you know, you go out or you get on a FaceTime or whatever. And they're like, oh yeah, mom, we're like, we totally know what's going to happen and we're totally comfortable with it. And that's it. So it's like, to your point, it's them learning what are the trade-offs and the choices and that the they And the trade-off make. is fully worth it to them. And I mean, I Absolutely. feel badly for the toilets in our house, but it's <laughs> fully worth it to my children to have the Oreo, the ice cream shake with added Oreos, because apparently that's really important. Nina, you have a new book coming out called The Ultimate Kid's Guide to Being Super Healthy, which like I'm going to ingest it, hopefully even physically, because that would be really wonderful. And it's aimed at kids a little bit younger than the pubescent crowd. However... It's all about creating good habits and creating the foundation, right? Your kids are good sleepers now, probably because you created all sorts of foundations for their sleep for many, many years leading up to this. So if we have families whose kids aren't great sleepers or there's an issue that they're struggling with, what advice do you give to kind of reset or create new patterns or or foundations for those families around sleep? So I think that Kids, you know, again, in some ways we're all talking about like, oh, our our silly teens, you know, what do they know? They don't know how to take care of themselves. But I think that at any age, we don't give them enough credit. And that's one of the reasons I wrote this book for younger kids is that I think a six-year-old can understand what REM sleep means. I think that a, you know, a seven-year-old can understand these very basic science concepts that they wouldn't necessarily think about or, or get explained to. So I think if it's a teen, it's the same sort of thing. If you have a 14-year-old who gets six hours of sleep per night, you can explain to them, well, let's, let's talk about what do you think happens during that six hours? What, what goes on with your body? And, oh, it's, I just I just lie there and I just I just rest and it's just kind of a waste of time and nothing really happens and I missed whatever I missed online for those six precious hours and then I wake up and then I go do the same thing again. But I think if they really understood the physiology of it and it sounds so boring and so dry, but you could make it interesting and attainable at any age. So whether it's, you know, again, a 14-year-old or a seven-year-old, you can teach them to their level to the point like, well, that's actually important. And it's not just I'm lying there doing nothing and it's a waste of time. There's actually something going on during that period. And here's how it impacts the other, what's 24 minus six? (laughs) 
18. <laughs> Thank you. And I didn't go to medical How school. How do you pronounce O-T-O? Otolaryngology. Oh my God, perfection. <laughs> I'm like a pro. Perfection. But I do think, Nina, that kids really appreciate when you explain the science well, to and them. I will tell you, I've read this book because I got my sneaky advance copy because Nina and I have been friends since the beach. And it's fantastic. And it's fantastic because... It's written exactly as Nina described. It's written to empower younger kids with the foundational knowledge behind what is happening. So why do you need to eat healthfully? What happens to food in your body? Where does it go? How is it processed? Why do you need to sleep? What happens when you sleep? What? Where does your brain, you know, file memories versus why are you cranky when you don't get enough? And the beautiful thing about this book is... It's written in such a way that if a parent wants to read it with a kid, that parent can learn the same facts without any shame for not having known them. Because I think a lot of adults actually don't know most of the information that's in there. Is it geared towards kids? It's or written for kids. It's written yeah, for so kids. It says, okay, you know, so I should have said that. So it's written for kids, but with important science and information that people of all ages it's, can it learn applies and appreciate. to everyone. Okay. I mean, and by the way, it teaches parents how to teach their kids, which is like a, a, a super sleuthy trick that Nina threw in there, which is, you know, it's meant for kids to read alone. But it's like, you know, the books that I write too, some families, they read it together. Some kids, some families, a kid will read it alone. And everyone who reads it, will benefit from the knowledge and the information that they get from it. So I think a parent will be able to take the sleep advice, for instance, and they'll be able to then in a week or a month or six months say, hey, you, you know, I've noticed you're staying up pretty late. Do you remember what happens in your brain when you sleep or whatever? And it's a really, it's written just just beautifully. It's a great frame. And the ideal audience for this, the new book, so thank you, by the way. You're welcome. That was lovely. Um, so I it's, loved it. <laughs> thank you. So uh, it's I wrote it with the voice towards a six to ten year old, and that's okay. a big, or even six to eleven. It's a big range, and again, because some six year olds may not feel comfortable reading it on their own, so that could be read with an older sibling or an older friend or a parent or a teacher. And I think some of the science of it may need to be explained to some younger kids, but I think that not the concepts yeah. I think will be understood really so elementary school kids. Okay. That's helpful. Yeah. I mean, I do think, and we have Wendy Mogul on another episode and her new book, Voice Lessons, talks about how kids on that older age of the spectrum, the kind of like 10, 9, 10, 11 year olds love to be the factual experts. Like they love to have data and information mm -hmm. at their hands. And so you're empowering them, not just with knowledge, but you're also giving them a role in their households to be the knowledgeable ones on certain topics that yeah. they can share with the rest of the family around the dinner table. And it, and it has little, you know, fun at home experiments that they can do and, you know, not make too much of a so mess cute. of the kitchen. Um, so, yeah, no, I think, you know, something that we talk about so much recently with COVID is all of a sudden soap, you know, everyone's singing the praises of soap. So what is soap? Well, it's a soap. It's a bar of soap. It's an item that you buy at the grocery store, but but it's actually a molecule. So, you know, when we took chemistry, you learn about soap. And I remember thinking, well, that do they know that that's the same name of the soap bar that we buy in the store? I love that you use that example because maybe six or eight months ago, I was with my son and it was kind of peak COVID and we were talking about soap. And he said, you know, when I was little, you explained to me how there are two ends of the molecule in soap and one is hydrophilic and one is hydrophobic. And I'm like, he remembers these words. Wow. By the way, let me say these words for you. Hydrophilic. These I can do. <laughs> um, Wait, and, is the other one hydrophobic? Nice. Very good. And I had explained to him when he was little, I don't remember doing this, that the way soap works is that essentially the like ends of the molecule surround the piece of dirt and they carry the piece of dirt away. And it's all about having the hydrophilic ends line up and the hydrophobic ends line up. And that visual was everything to him. And here we are in the middle of a pandemic and he was pulling this memory mm. from the deep recesses of his brain and he was applying it, you know, five years later, 10 years later, whatever it was. And I found it fascinating. And then, you know, there it was in your book, yeah. sort of, it was fabulous. But I, I want to talk about hygiene for a second. 
give us 90 seconds on Nina Shapiro's <laughs> approach to hygiene and how can we convince kids to use soap? Well, I think it's the hydrophobic and the hydrophilic, clearly. <laughs> no, but I think that it's, you know, we that there was a whole soap campaign when COVID came about. Like there was this novelty right. that we were all of a sudden supposed to wash our hands with Sing soap. Sing happy birthday. Which was a new thing. Sing happy birthday, yeah. But also understand what it's doing. And, you know, again, I really do think that if people, kids, adults, everybody understand what this molecule does to your skin and to viruses, it feels better using it and you feel like there's actually a reason for it. Before COVID, I will tell you, so I, I am an ENT, otolaryngologist, pediatric ENT. I have people with boogers like you've never seen before. Fly, a, I learned a new word, snot rocket. I can't believe I just learned that you word. You just learned that word. Could you believe it? Oh my God. Kid asked if he can, if he can fling a snot rocket. I said, this is COVID. You cannot fling a snot <laughs> rocket. Um, but I was never really, you know, I, I clearly, I washed my hands and, you know, but, you know, the idea of being so, so meticulous about hygiene before all this, you know, I was exposed to so much. You were exposed to so much as a pediatrician. We've seen it all. We don't get sick maybe once every few years. So I was a little looser about it. But now it is just, you just see what it does and you see what hygiene actually does, that there's actually a purpose to washing your hands with soap. It is better than the hand sanitizers, which are a very distant second to soap. I think yes. those became a big boon that everyone has them in their purses. And every, you know, every kid had one at the end of their backpack. And that's, you know, it's alcohol. That's really all that it is. And it, it just touches the surface, but it doesn't really clean. It doesn't really kill the viruses that we know of now. So I think soap is really important. It's underplayed. It's simple. It does not need to be fancy. It does not need to be antibacterial or antiviral. It just needs to be soap. I think it's really okay. important. I have two quick side notes. The first is I did see a baby in my practice many years ago who was intoxicated because the parent kept putting um, mm. an alcohol-based sanitizing gel on their hands to try to be so clean and then would stick their pinky in their baby's mouth in order to pacify the baby. And the baby actually became acutely intoxicated. So I always say to parents of little babies, really think twice before you use yeah. the alcohol-based sanitizer. The other little comment I wanted to make was about, there was, and you have to debunk this for me, there was a study that came out many, many years ago that looked at soap, washing your hands with soap versus just rubbing your hands in air and using friction to kick bacteria and viruses off versus alcohol-based sanitizers. And they performed in that order, that soap and hand washing was the best, but that it's the friction yes. as much as anything else. Yeah, that's wow. part of it. That's why when you go to certainly like a public restroom, there are so many reasons why those hand dryers are disgusting. Are disgusting. But another reason is that you don't get the friction of when you dry your hands with, with a paper towel or any sort of towel. That is part of the process of washing your hands because you're getting whatever's left on your hands off. That's fascinating. Fun fact. So, also, yeah. don't take mints by the front of the restaurant. Yeah, well, we all know that. We all know that. The yeah. urea mints. Yes, the urea <laughs> mints. <laughs> so we like to end, you know, with a kind of a practical puberty tip, a takeaway that adults can put into action in their lives, like as soon as they're done listening to this episode. So I was wondering if you wanted to start. I have one in mind if you want a minute to think about what your practical puberty tip is. I would say, I mean, it's such an interesting time and there's no, you know, puberty is an interesting time and there's no one path for, you know, every child is different. And I think that a tip, and, and again, you know, this is this is along the lines of moderation in diet is just... You know, if your child is doing something, if your young adult is doing something that you feel is not necessarily within what you would consider a healthful practice, as long as it is not dangerous, and there are so many things that are dangerous, I think we have to let things slide a little bit more than we do. That, you know, if they're up till three in the morning every so often, you know, they're going to learn sometime that that's not a good thing to do. If they eat, you know, a bag of chips for dinner one night, let it go. I think people are, you know, so driven and are on these tight tracks. One of the good things about COVID is that that track has kind of had a little bit more angles to it that we can loosen up a little bit because I think the idea of perfection and that this is the right thing to do and this is the right thing to eat and this is the right sport and the right time to sleep, they have enough pressure 
So that would be my my one tip. If it's not really, really dangerous, you got to let some things go. I like that a lot. I think that's really helpful. And I also liked what you mentioned earlier, which is arm them with information. Trust them to understand and assimilate what you tell them and give them and resources you give them and trust them to make good choices once they have information. And I think that goes a long way towards empowering them and showing them that we trust and respect them is giving them the information and then the power to make their to make their choices. Cara, what's yours? My pearl is that if you recognize someone's voice on the beach, you should absolutely say hello to them because you might end up becoming friends with a really smart otolaryngologist <laughs> who can teach you about snot rockets. <laughs> otolaryngologist. See, Let's say so it all together. Good. See if that'll work okay. on it. One, two, three. Otolaryngologist. Oh, we harmonized. Oh, that was lovely. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. You can follow us anywhere you get your podcasts or check out our Instagram at the puberty podcast. If you have questions or stories to share, email us at thepubertypodcast at gmail.com. And for more puberty info, check out myoomla.com or dynamogirl.com. Bye. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.